And then we have what is called a zygote. Some people、mm. would call it a fertilized egg, but it's not really an egg anymore. It's a completely different biological entity.、Mm-hmm. And this zygote will live in the egg tube, often known as fallopian tube. But you know, I reject <laughs> eponyms.、Uh, <laughs> Right. I try to call things what they are functionally, rather than name them after the dead white men <laughs>、yeah. who s- s- discovered them, supposedly, like countries. Welcome everybody to the Depths of Motherhood podcast. I'm your host Danielle. Today we welcome Samantha Zipora onto the show. Samantha is a fertility, sex, and cycle educator. An author and activist with over twenty years of experience in personal, professional, and clinical contexts, she is devoted to breaking the spells of oppression in reproductive and sexual health through collective healing, liberation, and education. She finds immense joy and purpose inspiring individuals to claim their power through body literacy. And sovereignty. In this episode, we talk about fertility management as a human right. What is the sacred yes, and how we can all discover our own sacred yes. She unpacks the term birth control, and explains other words that she uses to help talk about this topic. We discuss how plants are our allies. And how we can incorporate them into our life with respect, and to co-create. As you can see, this is a very, very vast topic, and the way that Sam shares her wisdom is so simple and poetic. This conversation was really healing for me because I had a lot of negative experiences around. Contraception around sex from such a young age. I'd been taking the pill since I was fourteen because everybody was taking the pill, and the doctor would hand it out like sweets. And there was almost some excitement and pride in taking the pill, as though this was proving to the world that I was a woman. And I continued to take the pill throughout my life till I was around 23, and I was really disconnected from my cycle, as you can tell from what I'm telling you. And I would never have gaps because having my bleed would be so inconvenient for me, especially when I joined the army and I had to go into this linear way of living, where I couldn't take breaks if I was on my bleed. If I was to have the cramps or the waves of emotions, then I would be pretty much exiled from my platoon, and I hated taking them. I hated the sweetness of them. I hated how they got stuck in my throat. I hated how I felt so foggy in my brain. How my body didn't feel like my own, and I still can't believe that. I signed up to a pill every day of my life, and honestly, I was more afraid of becoming pregnant or having my period hinder my life in any way than I was to 
contract an STI. And this is the world that I was brought up in. The education and the support was just not there for me. And I would love to hear your story because these are the stories that need to be told. And through educating ourselves and tuning into our body and our cycle, working with plant medicine, sharing our stories, we can heal past this and we can grow together. The way that Sam talks about the sacred yes, because I had no idea what this meant. And I realized if I would have been taught the sacred yes, what that meant, what it felt like in my body, then this would have really helped me through my younger years, my early 20s, and even today, just by having some boundaries. Because by having no boundaries, when I was a teenager, it rippled into all areas of my life. And then that just layers up. And now it's like I'm peeling back these layers and rebuilding healthier boundaries for myself. It's like how many times have you done something that you didn't feel 100% yes on? That when you did it, it felt like almost dirty inside of yourself, like there was an aching and it could be anything at all. And I think this practice of connecting to our sacred yes is something that is going to heal these past traumas that we're carrying and help us to really just drop back into ourself and our truth. There is a lot of information out there and it can get really heavy. But if you have this passion to re-educate yourself, just know that you're going to receive the right information at the right time and trust the unraveling will come at the right pace for you. And I want to take the opportunity to say thank you and share my gratitude for you all for supporting this podcast. It means so much for me to receive your messages and get to know you more on social media and through your emails. And if you love the work that we're doing, please go and leave us a review on Spotify or iTunes. It really, really makes a difference. So in my world... I released my webinar for transmuting ancestral trauma. This is such an exciting time for me because I absolutely love doing this work with my ancestors and I shared a free 20 minute webinar for everyone that signed up. And if you would like to see the recording, then you can head to the show notes and I'll leave the link there for you. Because honestly, this stuff that we're carrying in our body, in our mind, in our soul, we have to remember that we come from a very, 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 very long thread. And that thread holds so much pain, so much suffering, so many ideas and beliefs so much heaviness and on the other side so much beauty 
And when we start to do the work, we can create space to see what is ours in each moment and also see how we can hold space for each arising and then connect into what is true for you, what is happening in your reality right now and what will the next move be, what will serve you in that moment. Okay, let's tune into our body and taking your awareness to the crown of the head and feeling almost a heaviness at the crown of the head and opening. And above the top of your head is this beautiful light and it starts to trickle down through the crown of the head, through the whole body, the fingers, down the spine down the front of the body, the legs, down to the toes and every time you inhale your body receives this light moving in from the crown of the head filling your body with this light take two deep breaths and on the final exhale just allow your body to merge with this light everybody to the depths and motherhood podcast this week we have sam zipora on the show welcome sam hello thanks so much for having me here it's so wonderful to share this space with you and i am excited to get into these questions that i have but first Mm. i would i would love for you to share with our audience what brought you to this point to doing the work that you do because i actually found you when I I thought I was pregnant again I just had my first mm. and I thought oh I think I've uh, you know missed my period and and then it made me think what options do I have because I'm in Costa Rica you are not yeah. allowed to have an abortion here and I had no way of getting home at this point and I was thinking okay so what are my options and then I went down this rabbit hole and I came across your work yeah. And I was just like, Mm. wow, I couldn't stop reading. I found your book. I looked through all the stuff that I could find on YouTube. And yeah, it just totally opened my eyes to something that I was so blinded to. So thank you. Thank you for that. Mm. Yeah. Bringing light into these dark spaces. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. Thank you for that reflection and like sharing that personal Mm. I'm like, well, how did the story end? (laughs) Well, I wasn't pregnant. (laughs) Okay. But I did really educate myself. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, I have been just incredibly blessed with a really deep kind of, you know, karma, dharma path with Mm. this work. Um, I started studying when I was a child before I even began to bleed um, Mm. because of witnessing the suffering and the discord and the disconnect um, of the women around me in my family, uh, in my culture, there was just a deep part of myself and my connection to spirit and force Mm -hmm. that informed me uh, just very matter of factly that It was supposed to be uh, pleasurable and power. Like we're Mm. supposed to have power and pleasure from this part of our bodies. Um, Mm. And it wasn't supposed to be 
something that we suffered about. Right. Um, so it, yeah, it began as a very, very intellectual, practical sort of pursuit for me, actually. I was a you know big reader and I figured out, I, I thought that I could just learn the facts, <laughs> learn how the body works because the body's a machine and I'll learn how to fix mine so it doesn't have so many problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so it's just, it's been a very long journey. I worked uh, with Planned Parenthood as a teenager. Um, I started helping friends with their contraception and abortion decision-making and, and their sex lives and their periods. Uh, when I was a teenager, you know, it's just always been a part of my life. Um, I studied midwifery and began diving into more uh, nutritional and herbal and spiritual perspectives on fertility uh, when I was 19. Uh, I, I'd spent my teens really enmeshed in the clinical uh, culture, working at Planned Parenthood and really viewing fertility as sort of a, a disease or a pathology that needed to be managed with pills and surgery. <laughs> Uh, and then at 19, one of my girlfriends uh, wanted to have a baby instead of having an mm -hmm. abortion. And I began to study the process of pregnancy and birth to support her and her mm -hmm. journey. And um, yeah, it opened this whole other portal. So it's been a really, yeah, it's been a really beautiful and long journey. There's all kinds of deep ancestral healing mm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. rooted yeah. in there. And yeah, yeah, I could, the story is not a succinct one, but hopefully that meandering That's, gives some yeah. framework, I guess, or uh, context. Thank you for sharing that. And it just makes me think how when things come into our lives, we learn that the best way we learn is when we take on information ourselves and we put it into practice. So everything came mm, to you and you had to learn yes. as you were going along. And then it really stays stuck in there because you had to use it. And yeah. I'm sure you came up against a few challenges, but you were able to receive the information that you needed. And, and I think it's amazing the way that you filter this then into your community. And, and also it's um, very digestible. The way that you share the information, you're filtering it in, in a way that's also taking in the history of what's happened up until this present moment. So everything makes sense. And you're not just telling people what to do you're showing them mm. that there's a different perspective and there's a wider range to look at so that you can take responsibility and make a decision. And that decision doesn't always have to be so painful because you have the support mm. from people around you, from the plants, from your ancestral wisdom. And, and I love how you do that. So thank you. Oh, wow, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that really clear, articulate reflection because that is definitely what it, I'm trying to do. Mm. <laughs> so thank you for telling yeah. me you're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> and thank you for saying that. Cause I remember when I was listening to you speak and I was thinking, uh -huh. wow, I love the way that you articulate things. And I, it just made me think mm. of the words that I was saying. Cause one of what I've noticed is mm. when you're sharing is you take a word and you really want to understand it before you put it out there, because we are so conditioned with our words and our terminology. And it really gets, gets you thinking how simple things can have such an effect like 
when we use the term birth control, <laughs> which maybe yeah. we could we can we can go into today. But sure, uh, uh, yeah, it's just it's just incredible. We're all helping each other to grow, and that's that's wonderful. And it really filters us into what I wanted to talk about first, which was fertility management as a human right. Because you wrote something in your book that said it's a human right and it's not a skill to be gained through fear which I loved Ooh, <laughs> like, did I say that? you said yeah, that yeah um, you did <laughs> yeah what there's so much to it what really comes to mind is um understanding that from an anthropological mm. perspective um women have always been managing our relationship with nourishment and the land Mm -hmm. and resource, like resource management Mm -hmm. (laughs) and understanding that our fertility is a resource, is an energy resource. And it's deeply intimately connected with the way that we relate to the resources of the earth right our bodies mm. being the earth is not a metaphor mm, I love that. Um, so it's an ancestral right and it's even like a trans species mm-hmm. uh, like a universal reality in terms of understanding how ecosystems work how mm-hmm. um how fertility and abundance work <laughs> which is in a cyclical manner where there is no there's no fertility without death at Mm. all. And there we cannot, we're not on an infinite growth timeline. We have to be able to learn to manage and limit and be mindful and discerning about how resources are used and distributed. And so, yeah, then that's just been our job forever. Wow. And, and it's, just, and it's funny when you say that, it makes me, me think about how we are just programming, programmed to believe that we live forever, even though we know <laughs> we don't, but there's something like, you're not going to die, even though we've all known someone who's died and we see things dying all the time. But even when you live in a big city, everything is new. Everything is, nothing is dying. If it, And if it is, mm-hmm. it gets changed straight away. So we're not used to seeing life mm-hmm. and death in a cycle. Like if you live in nature, it can bring up a lot for you because you see every day, life and death things eating each other things killing each other like this process of things happening and that's too much for some people to be in nature and see that because we're so we're so used to seeing everything so perfect (laughs) I read something the other day about uh, potentially humans our neolithic ancestors learning about uh, what plants would help with expelling a pregnancy or preventing a pregnancy mm-hmm. and inducing menstruation mm-hmm. by watching animals mm. after like going into labor, right? So the plants that create contractions in the uterus, mm-hmm. observing other mammals having this relationship with plants. So being the animals to- take them, the animals oh. will consume them? Yes. Oh. Yes. Animals know how to work with plant medicines and absolutely, right? They have a more intact relationship. 
So they saw this, they saw that the animals were going towards things that would create contractions. Right. And so we're like, oh, the animals are eating this particular plant when they are going into labor or when they're waiting for their placenta to come out. Um, maybe if I use it, it will help movement in my uterus. Ah, that that's crazy, actually. It doesn't surprise me. It just <laughs> makes me so, I don't know, excited inside, you know, to see that these we're noticing what the animals are doing, you know, like their relationship with it. And is, yeah. is there any information on animals taking it to, um, to stop the pregnancy, to have a pregnancy release? Do animals you know, decide? Is, is there any information? I'm, on that? I'm not sure about that. There's a lot of information about them just eating the babies so, that's yeah. a lot more common right is just being like I need this protein I cannot <laughs> <You'll do. laughs> afford I cannot afford to like grow you yeah but you really look- we look even beyond the animal world look at like I, I really think that if you're able to have a little bit of uh you know poetry mm-hmm. and creative uh creati- creativity in your perspective I really think that we can see something resembling abortion right. or contraception in mm-hmm. every single species on the planet. Mm-hmm. That there is a process of avoiding reproduction or beginning mm-hmm. the process of reproduction and mm-hmm. then halting it again due to resource management. Right, right. And that is, I mean, it really brings into these really large existential questions around, uh, you know, the pervasive belief that human consciousness or will is not part of nature. Mm, right. right. And I'm just like, it's yeah, part of nature. Totally. The contraception and abortion are natural. They're part of nature. Mm. You know, I did my first women's circle. I, so I ran my circle and at the end, um, one of the women in the circle, she was so upset. And I, I asked her, like, do you want to share with me? And she told me that this was so difficult for her because she had an abortion when she was 17. And her mom told her that she had to have one. And the thing that was the hardest for her was that she she also wanted the abortion, but she felt the shame and the guilt from doing it. And then as we went into doing some deeper healing work together, she said to me, the body can decide that the pregnancy (gasps) is not for now. So why is that different than the mind deciding? Yes. yes, I was just like, it blew my mind. And that moment, you know, you have them aha moments and you're like, wow, that Uh shifted my perspective massively. Mm. And I was in that space with her and it just, sometimes when things happen to you, you can't explain, but you will never see things in the same light again. And that was a moment for me. Gives me goosebumps. That's so beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing hearing that a hundred percent right like why this this false hierarchy mm. and that like to even create a hierarchy we have to compartmentalize right 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 in a way that is is abusive yes uh, right? these conversations are so great for realizing that and you're like what someone's controlling what I do with my life as a mm. sovereign being, someone's telling me what's best for me and what's not. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And, and I suppose that's you speak in your book about the sacred. Yes. And that's mm, the yes. first time I'd heard that. And I'd love to, I'd love for you to explain more about that. 
sure how um, we can discover it how do we know our sacred yes how do we know it's yeah. ours? yeah oh it's you know it's very inspired by and in alignment with uh some um, some philosophies of tantra and certainly Taoism in terms of desire nice. and being guided by desire mm. um and recognizing um that there's no such thing as a no that exists in a vacuum. There's always the balance mm. of the yes. And uh, I started you know, inviting my abortion doula clients to do this practice. Mm-hmm. And then I started using it with my miscarriage clients. And then mm. I was like, gosh, this actually also applies to my own fertility just as a cyclical being who's ovulating Mm. and avoiding pregnancy every month after month after month Mm -hmm. um and so the practice of you know developing a sacred yes and embodying your sacred yes with your fertility and your sexuality um is really you know about defining what you desire Mm. and what it is that you want to use your consciousness and intention and you know the gift of this vessel this embodiment um, to be really specific about what it is that you are calling in what it is that you want to conceive and nurture and gestate and birth and like what are you committed to being a vessel for Mm. um, when you're not having a baby Right. And that the decision to avoid pregnancy, the decision to end pregnancy, and also the acceptance of the the reality that you've lost a pregnancy, any of these experiences, um, that there's just deep, deep medicine in in articulating and naming and honoring the same yes. And not just getting consumed in the vacuum of the no, no baby, no baby, no baby. Uh huh. Wow. That's you know, it gets me emotional. You listening to you say these words because mm. I feel, you know, like growing up, not having the not knowing what my boundaries were, not knowing how to listen to mm. myself, mm-hmm. and then growing up, and just because you you uh you're classed as an adult then you should know all these things but you're still like there's still that child inside you know just like I just need some love like I just need this and then instead going to have sex with somebody for a moment of being seen and then the risks that that come with that for me when I didn't want to get pregnant and then Mm -hmm. not being able to know even if I believed in having an abortion or not you know like what sat with me because I couldn't hear anything because I was so like heavy under all these layers of shit that have been put on top of me and so it just I see my daughter now I'm just like wow I'm so grateful that I I have all this information and these wise women around to be able to yeah to share with her like let's let's find out what's good for you right now what do you want like how does this feel and and having that to grow into and know her boundaries you know and it starts so young just like her grandparents came and usually you know I've been brought up with you just put the baby on the grandparents knee and they 
you know, cuddle and kiss each other. But she mm. has boundaries and she's like, I don't want to sit with grandma and granddad. Like, I don't really know them because she's only seen them for two yes. weeks. She's been born. And my yes. mom is like, why doesn't she want to be with me? She hates me. And I'm like, mom, this is not about you right now. Like, she's just honoring her boundaries and she will come <sighs> to you if she wants to, when she wants to. And that for me was like, Oh, it just felt so good in my heart to even say it, you know, instead of people pleasing and being like, go with grandma. It's like, no, we have to, we have a responsibility. So, yeah, there should be no expectation of intimacy (laughs) or affection. Like those intimacy and affection need to be earned. Right. Exactly. Wow. This is such a powerful conversation to be had. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I spoke in the beginning about, the term birth control and and honestly the first time you said it was the first time that I'd heard it of let's look at what we are actually saying when we say birth Mm. control and I'd love you to go into that and just share what you think people could look at instead what other terms could you use instead of this yeah well I do my best to say contraception uh, which is you know countering conception Mm. and um Birth control, I find to be violent and ignorant language Mm -hmm. Um, in that, you know, I've spent so many, so many hours of my life and so much of my heart and energy is like helping birthing women have natural physiologic births that are not controlled while the system seeks to control them with uh, you know, drugs and surgeries mm-hmm. uh, that are profitable to the industry. And so, I mean, birth, I don't want to control birth. I want to rewild birth, right? Yes, love that. And <laughs> when I want to avoid having a baby, I'm not wanting to control birth. I'm mm-hmm. wanting to avoid conception. Right. And uh, so when I'm talking about Uh, pharmaceuticals that are used to suppress ovulation as a method of contraception, you know, I will sometimes use the term like conventional or pharmaceutical contraception, but I will often refer to the pills, especially, you know, as ovulation prevention pills, because it's just literally what they are. And it helps educate the consumer. So the consumer is making an informed decision every time they put that in their mouth and swallow it, that they're like, I'm preventing my ovulation with this medication. Um, And that it's less abstract also, you know? That we should just call things what they are. For so long, I didn't even know what the pill was doing. I didn't know what was happening yeah. in my body. I had no idea. It was just put as this medication given to me to prevent me from getting pregnant. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. So I love that you, you're you actually bringing these words to the surface so that we understand and dig a little bit deeper and see what it actually means, what's happening in our body, because we're not machines. Something's happening. And yeah. This, this chemical that we're putting into our body is actually doing something to us. And it's not just doing something yeah. to the thing that we think it's doing. It's affecting all of different cells across our body if they have this receptor in them, right? Certainly, yeah. It's really, again, this reality that it's not just a poetic, pretty metaphor 
that our bodies are the earth, that our bodies literally are the earth. Mm. We are ecosystems. (laughs) We are part of ecosystems. And there's no way that you can silence the conversation between the ovaries and the brain, which is what these medications do, Uh is there's valuable communication between the ovaries and the brain that is just not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets without me affecting so the sad. whole ecosystem. Right. Yeah. And if it's so like so many women and myself included um, mm-hmm. have experienced uh, suicidal thoughts, depression, whatever label like we're going to put on it, but mm-hmm. you know, just out of balance, not in sync with our heart, our mind, our body. Mm-hmm. And then that unraveling in a way, it just feels so, you know, when I think think back when I was on the pill, I was on the pill for like 10 years. I just felt mm. so like foggy and not connected to anything, not myself, wow. not the earth, you know, it's just, mm. oh, it's, it's heartbreaking that it's just so natural, like so routine to give a 16 year old girl um, a tablet, a pill that affects their entire body, which then radiates out to everything else. Oof. Yeah. There's so much nuance. One of the things that I think is really striking that is just a, you know one of those basic facts of physiology that all parents and young adults need to be informed of is the reality that the, the act of ovulation and the, the presence of natural progesterone that is only possible to have in the body after ovulation, um, except for when you're pregnant, sorry, but Mm -hmm. Uh, Back to the basics, the act of ovulation is essential for building bone density is the underlying statement I want to make here and that we develop the vast majority of our bone density as people with ovaries between the ages of 12 and 20. I hope that you're enjoying this week's episode. I'd like to take a moment to share a little bit about this week's sponsor. Evolving Humans. Evolving Humans teaches the most effective energy healing technique which we can use to restore balance throughout our whole body. Personally, I have found this practice to be extremely simple and deeply transformative. When I mastered this technique, I was able to regain power over my life. I finally stopped running and distracting myself from my emotions. This technique teaches you to feel the energy in your body and be with it so it can be seen and loved and without any force or suppression. And from that space, it finds its own path which clears you of any unnecessary tension. Have you ever suffered with a chronic disease, injury, mental turbulence, heartache, depression, anxiety? I could go on and on. The question is, what do all of these expressions have in common? They create a sensation in your body which creates a discomfort or a pain. What do you usually do when you feel something like this? We are taught to do whatever it takes to remove the pain. Wouldn't you like to heal yourself without relying on an external source? Like I mentioned before, it's so simple. It takes no mental power to do this. You literally just have to feel. 
Evolving Humans are offering a 10% discount on their course, which will share everything you need to know. Visit evolvinghumans.com and use the code MOTHERHOOD22. And I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's one of the things that is most well studied across the board for all age groups around mineral absorption Mm -hmm. and hormonal contraceptive methods. Uh, Any time that you're suppressing ovulation, you're suppressing progesterone and uh, uh, progesterone does so many beautiful things for the body. And one of them is it's very essential for the absorption and processing of minerals. So you can literally be eating the most beautiful, wonderful, nourishing diet. But if you're not ovulating, you're not going to be absorbing those minerals the wow. same way. Wow. That's the first Which, time I've heard it like especially that. Especially wow. our teenagers, right? Like yes. all of us, but like, especially we need to give our young people a chance to build proper bone density yeah, give them a strong <laughs> you know? foundation for everything that's about to yes <laughs> yeah it was and actually- just, it's just so absurd that we should be suppressing our ovulation isn't it i can't believe we even have to have a conversation sperm, they're fertile every day the people that make sperm right. every <laughs> day they could just sit back just like it's okay. The women are dealing with it. You know, it's fine. It's so wild. Crazy uh, that we it's have- not wild. It's, it's just, <laughs> but just most people that are taking these pills also don't know that if they were having a natural cycle, that there was only like an average of three to six days out of the whole cycle that they could conceive. Right. And Why that- we taught this at school. And it's not rocket science yeah. either. I, I've watched your it's videos really and not. I learned so much in like 10 minutes. Oh. I was like, why, why didn't I know this? It's crazy. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. Actually, it's what, well, it's systematic oppression. So. <laughs> right, exactly. It's not just exactly. crazy. It's like a highly strategic and profitable systems of oppression that really, we can trace it back to the industrial revolution I mean, there's other, other, you know, cycles of the rise of patriarchy for sure, but it's pretty profound how recent the history is and how much cultural amnesia we have about the industrialization and the medicalization of our fertility and the criminalization of abortion and contraception, which all happened at the same time. Right. <laughs> that, that it's like a it's an economic and an industrial reality. It's not just a moral or ethical or cultural social one. Like these, these changes have come about within a very observable timeline. Right. Oh my gosh. I so I'll just, I'll take that. a little pause, but yeah, I have a bunch more. <laughs> oh yeah. Thank you. I'm just like, well, I hope that I'm not, um, you know, overwhelming. With no, this is, this is great information. And everyone that listens to this, this podcast is already in that awareness, you know, so it's just giving so much Good. more information yeah. and depth to it, which is, which is incredible. And yeah, um, I also, as we're talking about this and people, they might not know, okay, what are their options? All right. We can look at 
our fertility management and we can see we can follow our temperature our cervical mucus um we can figure out patterns for ourselves but what if if something happens and we have a pregnancy that we did not we did not want and what can we do and i actually saw a lot of movement through social media of um you know using these plants for to have mm. an abortion using these use just given mm. ideas of what to do but I found that kind of dangerous and because mm. and then you confirmed it in your book because you mentioned plants as allies not contraception and just mm. to remember how these plants affect our hormones as well and I and I love that because it's a reminder that we can't just take the plants for granted we have to take responsibility mm. for ourselves first and know our patterns and sometimes there is that oops moment and we need some support and that's where we call on our allies and it's not that it's going to be it's not going to be might not be easy <laughs> it might be um really intense and i wondered if you could just talk yeah. about that a little bit i think what you're starting to ask about is you know the content of my book please bleed plants and practical magic yes um which is focused on a process called implantation inhibition Mm. which I define uh, as very different than abortion. Mm -hmm. There's some similarities for sure. Um, but all of this is like, so I use the language, the womb continuum. Yes, I love I, that. To speak about, you know, all of this is interrelated and it's really important to stop compartmentalizing, mm -hmm. but to understand that there's all of these different moments that have, many different options for action to intervene mm -hmm. with some processes or encourage other processes when we're talking about the womb continuum mm. um again respecting that like regardless of our mental attachment mm -hmm. our social context and the way that we relate to whatever is in the womb be it just menstrual endometrial tissue, be it an embryo, be mm -hmm. it a fetus or a child, that the innate wisdom of the womb is the ability to release and regenerate. Mm. Yeah. And that it, our physiology does not have bias <laughs> about what stage between ovulation and full birth pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, that the womb has the innate wisdom and capacity to release and regenerate. Mm -hmm. So anytime that we want to encourage that release in the case of an implantation inhibition or an abortion, for example, mm -hmm. that there are in fact ways that we can work with that innate intelligence mm -hmm. that we, it's like catching a wave right. <laughs> almost yeah. Yeah. <laughs> understanding that the wave is coming. Uh -huh. at some point <laughs> so that's just kind it's of like, like get your overall. surfboard we're going yes <laughs> framework <laughs> and just to understand that it's really important that we understand that there is a difference between conception and pregnancy from right. a purely physiologic mm. perspective I, I understand there are many different 
spiritual perspectives around that. And we could have a whole other podcast. Right, right. Topic. And it would never end. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, or we can chat a little bit about it in a minute because I, you know, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about you know, consciousness and when spirit and matter intertwine and how that all works. Mm. But um, <laughs> conception is when the sperm meets the egg, right? right? And there's actually like a flash of light when this happens. There's a chemical reaction. Yeah, the I sperm saw meets that. The egg. They have images, right? <laughs> a flash of light. Yes, yes. And that is what we call conception. It's what we are avoiding with contraception, uh -huh. right? We don't so want that the sperm moment. to meet the egg. That moment happens, and then we have what is called a zygote. Some people mm. would call it a fertilized egg, but it's not really an egg anymore. It's a completely different biological entity. Mm -hmm. And this zygote will live in the egg tube, often known as fallopian tube, but you know, I reject <laughs> eponyms. Uh, <laughs> right. I try to call things what they are functionally rather than name them after dead white men <laughs> yeah. who s discovered them supposedly like countries you know like right. we are indigenous to these body parts this is how they work anyways <laughs> for them they didn't so, exist <laughs> yeah there's this whole lifetime there's this whole process of this zygote evolving mm. these cells multiplying that takes on average three to six days wow. to even make it down the egg tube into the uterus. Mm -hmm. And then it's another three to six days for an average. And this is a, a total I got from one of my girlfriends um, who is just getting her doctorate in public health. And she helps me do all of my citation work for my courses and my books. Nice. Um, and 11 days between conception and implantation, mm. wow. an average of 11 days between the moment the sperm meets the egg and when the egg implants, which is when it has burrowed and nestled, not just into the endometrial tissue, which is very, delicate and mucousy it's what we know as our menstrual blood mm. which is actually mostly tissue with some blood in it it's not really blood mm. um, so much as tissue so that endometrial tissue um you know will grow and grow and nurture a pregnancy if a pregnancy is established mm -hmm. but there's a big difference in our physiology between conception and pregnancy and the difference is this process of implantation where the what's called a blastocyst at this juncture it's when it actually connects to the maternal blood network mm -hmm. and the uterine wall that is a muscle mm. right so that's a very different process than conception yes where this entity actually attaches itself to the vascular system of the wow. parent. <laughs> so Just understanding that, information. that is super helpful as we like de-escalate right. our culture's obsession with pregnancy as an emergency at every step of the way. 
Right. 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 It's not an emergency. We have so much time and mm-hmm. so many really accessible, inexpensive and practical tools that don't involve consuming from the medical industrial complex at all. Mm-hmm. There's so many ways that we can interrupt or prevent implantation mm-hmm. and encourage that endometrial tissue to move and encourage the muscles of the uterus to move mm-hmm. and to again with this like wave metaphor of catching yes. the wave of like really being with the wave of menstruation mm-hmm. understanding that that is a completely different reality on a physical level, on an emotional and a spiritual level that we can identify our sacred yes, mm-hmm. literally just yes. as menstruation right? <laughs> within those 11 days. And we can mm-hmm. take physical actions. We can partner with plants. Mm-hmm. We can use acupressure, acupuncture. We can mm-hmm. work with yoni steaming. We can work with meditation and ritual. There are so yes, many different yes. tools that we have that are, again, free mm. or very right. inexpensive and accessible that do not rely on consuming any right. goods or services from the medical industrial complex. Uh-huh. But this is different than an abortion, uh-huh. what I'm yeah. talking about in my book. Uh-huh. It's implantation inhibition and it's action taken on based on self-awareness mm-hmm. where you can't, you do, you have no pregnancy test. You have no ultrasound. You don't even really know intellectually for sure. There's no way to confirm that a conception happened, right. but you can take these actions. If you have an accidental sperm exposure mm-hmm. in the fertile window, yes. again, to say yes to menstruation. And it's a totally, <laughs> yeah. totally different thing to be like, yes, menstruate rather Mm -hmm. than no baby. Yes. Again, the sacred. Yes. yes. It's a different feeling than, than that feeling of, oh shit, am I pregnant? Mm -hmm. That's a completely different feeling than saying, yes, let's bleed. Yeah. And I, I took so much from your book because I, you know, there's this wisdom of what the plants have to offer us has been lost and Mm, just from knowing some of the the basic plants that we have available to us that Mm. actually probably a lot of us consume in the day and knowing how Mm. they affect our body like I there were some plants in there that I had no clue about and I had consumed them during my pregnancy and it's just the you know it's just the I did not know and no one told me and there's some obvious ones that you would say avoid during pregnancy or things like this but there's something there that I was like oh I I've taken that because it's just this idea also like an ignorance from my side that plants um are good just consume them you know like (laughs) any plant because it's from (laughs) from the earth but when actually like they have uh they're doing their own thing they have their own purpose in this world and I after Mm. reading your book I I really found that it's helped me to drop into ritual and drop into my deeper wisdom because I would then do a yoni steam with these herbs that you'd offered and um, that you put in the book. And I also, because Mm -hmm. I'm on the yoni steam, if I thought that maybe potentially I, the, the sperm had met the egg and I would sit there Mm -hmm. and I would work with the herbs and just imagine 
myself bleeding and just feel the energy drop in and letting my body know that like now is not the not the mm. time you know like this is <laughs> we are going to work together and I'm saying yes to the bleed and yeah I found it one really amazing because I started to understand more about herbs and plants and secondly because I was starting to um, work with my body and listen to my body and the the ritual and the ceremony mm. came naturally so thank you mm-hmm. so much for offering that yeah you're so welcome it's really it's really profound so you know that my book is about implantation inhibition specifically mm-hmm. it's like this isn't about abortion and like all the information in my book is very informative and can be used in right. the context of abortion mm-hmm. um and I just want to say that yeah, I have never seen success with herbal implantation Mm. or abortion that didn't include ritual. Right, right. That didn't include just a a deep respect and humility. Mm. Right, that intention that comes with that. Yes, yes. And I feel like that is part of the beauty of the medicine of our of being with our plant kin in that way again Mm. like having this memory of this synergy that (laughs) our bodies and plants have been mutual we have this this history of mutually beneficial relationship of symbiosis where our fertilities support one another Mm -hmm. right where our blood nourishes the earth where mm-hmm. our wild crafting practices stimulate fertility and growth of, right. and sp- spread the seeds of different plants and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that, that that is our ancestral legacy. That is, you know, 4,000 years of documented history of herbal fertility management. Right. Um, but to think that herbal abortion is not possible <laughs> uh, is to insult and deny Right. Just mm-hmm. so many earth-based exactly. and indigenous traditions, but it's so different. Like they're not pills. You don't mm-hmm. have like a specific formula that you drop in your mouth to take a specific action. You have to build a humble and intimate mm. relationship over time right. that is not emergent. Again, just like taking that energy of emergency out of the whole thing. Right. Right. Um, knowing um, that like we're taking actions to engage with natural processes, Mm. the natural processes of menstruation and contraception and abortion, that those are part of nature. Yes. And nature takes its time also. (laughs) Yeah. In a world that's so busy and wants everything done yesterday, it doesn't work like that. Right. I actually right. want to say whilst whilst we're in this space that m- my friend who um, she has dystonia, which is um, it's something that affects a part of her brain and continues to affect the rest of her body. And she doesn't have she sometimes have these moments called storms where her body will go into contraction and different things. And, but she hasn't had um, she hasn't bled for many years and she was on a lot of different pills different medication because of her dystonia and also they had her on the contraception 
since I mm. think a very young age. And they said, because it will make it easier for you if you don't have your period. And yeah. she believed this for so many years. And mm-hmm. we both read your book at the same time. And oh. I'm happy to report that she came off of the contraception and she has had, I think she's on her fourth bleed right now. And she said, it's the first time she's seen her blood look the the way that it did and you know like she was able to create a relationship with it again and it's been very it's been deeply healing for her not just to have her her period back but to also see that the stuff that she's been told is not all Mm. truth so I just wanted to say that while you're here because it's Mm. really changed her life so thank you wow yeah well the truth is the felt experience right yes yeah (laughs) the truth is not something that a doctor or a book uh-huh, or yeah. anybody outside of your own visceral, sensual, emotional reality can define mm. for you. Right. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah. So our stories are so, <laughs> the the so, so good. It, yeah. I feel like the womb is a really great barometer of truth a lot of the time and the way that we experience our blood and and our cycles um, has a way of bringing us into our truth Mm. and uh, that's part of what they're so afraid of right because then women (laughs) might be overculture right like trying to control all this they're like oh no what if they know the truth which is (laughs) incredibly powerful (laughs) what if they tell each other things as well when they gather and talk about (sighs) their bleed what if what if information gets exchanged because that's what it is when we're sharing stories and it's it's helping us to remember again it's so powerful Mm. well I I just want to say before we we end that this has been such a beautiful conversation and um, deeply inspiring for me and I know for the people listening um, and I would like you to take this space now to share anything that you have to offer to to anyone that's listening and what if you've got any other books coming up or what courses you're doing or your subscription I know you have a lot of things happening so I'd love you for you to share um thank you so much for that invitation um everything can be found on my website which is just my name.com samantha zippora z-i-p-p-o-r-a-h and I really the the umbrella through which you can access all of my resources, my books and my courses, which are abundant right now, um, mostly around contraception and abortion, but there's a lot of other topics of the womb continuum uh, and sexuality explored. Uh, They're all in the fruit of knowledge learning community. And there's a massive video archive of past teachings, which include uh, Please Bleed and Abortion Pill Info Session for the GNYs and um, yeah, Fruit of Knowledge Learning Community is the best place to connect with me and my offerings for sure. But if you wanna just study independently, um, I do have self-study courses that are available a la carte about conscious contraception Uh, which covers mind, body, and spirit in the process of avoiding pregnancy without consuming anything from the medical industrial complex. And then I have a miscarriage and abortion support e-course 
um, that is available by donation completely right now that yes. covers both in and out of clinic options for releasing a pregnancy and how to support people in those processes. Again, with mind, body, and spirit, which even mm. saying those words you know, validates this false, <laughs> this false hey. vision. And, but you but know we, what? it's language, yeah. it's helpful. It's language. Um, I've read that too, yeah. it's incredible. I read, yeah. The, yeah, I've also read that. I went for it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> really went for it yeah thank you yeah thank you so much and yeah the book the book please bleed plants and practical magic is out there um my I guess one of my big requests because I think you have a pretty international audience yes maybe is I I really want help getting my physical books out into the mm. world that yes. is my big request like um of all of my creative projects and heart songs um yes. like having physical books out in the world oh, yeah. uh it just means so much to me I so can hear it in your voice. voice this is yeah. the next thing yeah I want people to hold them and like oh, take notes in gosh, them yeah. and earmark them and so yeah if you have an idea of either a brick and mortar retail space or an mm. online shop that you like that might carry my books. Mm. Um, that is just like a personal, like, well, help me out, get this yes. consciousness out there. Because like <laughs> the internet is great. I have every, <laughs> everything's on the internet. I have a, mm -hmm. like, but everything that is digital that I've created has a physical anchor mm. in this dimension. Nice. You can order the books and the workbooks for all of my digital. Oh, I love that. That's just super important. Yeah, because yeah, things can get lost on online as well, you know, amongst all the noise and having if you have it there physical, you can see it and it's a reminder yeah. and it's like you have a relationship with it. Exactly. It's so yeah, it's and you so love valuable. books, right? I mean, it's how I am such a big book nerd. Yeah. Yes, I, read a I see your picture on, on your um, website, on your um with all my books. Your story. Is that your book? <laughs> Is that your library? yeah oh my yeah. gosh so I can see all the books that you've read so I might take a good look at that and see which ones I need to uh get my hands on <laughs> oh well in fruit of knowledge also I have a really robust resource library that yes. has all of my favorite books listed as yeah just oh, if you want to search by topic specifically uh-huh um yep that's, so we can see your journey to there. this point with the information that you've totally. been totally nice one yes I yes. love that. Oh. Mm. And you are on Instagram. Anywhere else hey, that we can I'm find I'm on you? Instagram. Um, that is plenty. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there. I think everyone pretty much has Instagram anyway. Instagram. I, I have a no DM policy, though. Please just please email me if you want to talk <laughs> Good for to you. Me. <laughs> um, I stay out of DMs on Instagram as much as possible for my own sanity. <laughs> um, but I do post and share stories quite often so mm, I would wonderful. love to see folks there in that capacity yeah I hope everyone goes over and follows your journey it's, it's super inspirational mm. to go and check in with what you're up to and what new information you're sharing so thank you oh thank you <laughs> all right it's just been a wonderful conversation and so much gratitude for you taking your time and pouring your life force into this episode we mm. really really appreciate it.